0: Hi everyone, welcome to A Mobile Mentor. Jay Shetty once said anyone can be your mentor, it's just a matter of learning from someone else's story. So with that, this is a podcast about navigating life on the move, whether it's from England to abroad, teenhood into adulthood, or personal and professional transitions, all wrapped up in the modern world of change. So take what you need, find your own way, and be happy doing it. hello all welcome back to another episode of the mobile mentor and welcome to one that's all about careers and shifting from one place to another and specifically here i want to talk about my experience from moving from architecture into advertising and um it's going to be sort of like based around my story so i'm going to share that up front but also going to share around four or five things i thought helped me get there after so many sessions of thinking how i got there analysis thinking about the landscapes I move from and to society in that what I learned and how to work the system and some tips and tricks and lived experience. Um, I find that I've got this question quite often when I've showed up to a party or I meet someone new and they're just like, hey, so you undergrad your undergrad was in architecture and now you're in advertising how did that work how did you get across and the short answer to that is there is no easy feat it was not a linear journey and also a lot of it was unplanned and I ended up there based on finding about finding out about what I didn't like and then eventually finding a place where I liked most things so this is going to be an overview of that and if anyone's thinking about changing careers or um, trying to figure out how they move into a new career from having loads of experience in another, or if you're just straight out of university, straight out of studying, straight out of um, high school, um, any educational field and you don't know even where to start or where to begin to transfer your skills into um, a workplace, then this episode is for you. I hope you find some nuggets of wisdom and again, hit me up on um, my Instagram at blanks for any questions. Thanks for listening. (laughs) But before we begin, I really want to acknowledge in the state of the world, especially right now, before I share my story, that I am a biracial individual, a biracial female. And um, although there were many invisible powers at play and barriers that were in my way during my progression and um, I guess story and journey through my my work experience to present day, I was afforded a lot of opportunities and I was able to be in spaces that I think many aren't or feel less welcome so I do want to acknowledge that I feel both that I have to speak from a place of privilege but also um, being a marginalized individual so please take my story with that wrapper it actually feels nice to be able to talk about something that perhaps isn't so ingrained in the now and isn't so current um, and to be able to reflect on my past self and my past experiences almost feels lighter right now because I'm feeling a lot of the stuff I'm moving through and chatting about is a daily experience it's almost hard to separate myself from it. So yes, this is also grants me some grace in sharing some personal stuff with you. Uh, but yeah, so changing careers and my movement from architecture to advertising. It's been a ride, I won't lie. Um, I'm going to start from day one, and by day one I'm going to be like starting from where I landed in my education space. So like obviously school, where everyone's trying their different subjects, getting to know themselves, either doesn't take school seriously, doesn't really look ahead too much, or opposite. And they're just like, I know exactly what I want to do, I know this is for me, this is what I'm going to do. And I felt like definitely in the former camp, I didn't really have an idea. I felt like I was a jack of all trades. I definitely knew I was strong in art, I was very creative, very expressive. I kind of like dabbled with English. I knew I was kind of good at English, but like the curriculum and how it was taught didn't really gel with me and I felt like it was very much like a a literary exercise rather than actually how we can apply and use the English language, which I can come back to a bit later and how why English is relevant for me now. Um, and math. Weirdly, I was really good at mathematics and um, by not weirdly, I mean like not really good. I just I enjoyed solving problems. I enjoyed the challenge. Um, and although it was painful, it had such a big payoff because I didn't, I think the idea of myself was like this creative expressive, expressive person. So it kind of broke my idea of myself or shifted that to being like, I'm a person who's good at maths and I like got good grades in it. So I, this is kind of where I landed acknowledging these things towards the end of my GCSEs, my kind of like secondary school experience before I went to college, which is sixth sixth form. God, I can't even say that, sixth form when you're around 17, 18. So I kind of lent into ch- uh, really channeling that, like, okay, take expressive versus logical subjects. I did that in my A-levels, um, and these are the grades that you get, and um, these determine which university you go to after you like, leave those two years of intense study. So I did art, maths, economics, biology, um, and then a digital art course alongside that um and i knew i had to do pretty good in these regardless of what my next step was whether it's like oh do i go traveling take a year out do i go on to further study Um, get my bachelor's or do i go straight into work and see if i can work my way up none of them felt right well that's a lie one of them felt right i knew i had such a big appetite to learn i knew i wanted to continue my learning journey um and so I was always looking towards university whether I acknowledged I really wanted to do that in my soul or not was a different story um and it's a time for a different episode like I very much lived in my head and my head was always like ruled by what was um I guess at the time just like societal and institutional rules and expectations but anyway like I definitely was like I want to excel and I guess achievement was always at the forefront of my kind of younger experience so I wanted to continue to getting those grades and continue doing stuff that like was really good in terms of my expectation of myself and also the societal expectation of things so that's why I leaned into choosing architecture as an undergraduate course and I it's really hard to make a decision on what you what would fit you at that time. Um, and by you, I mean me. But I think generally, like speaking to my peers and people of my age group now, like how do you really know if you'll like something? In theory, you might be like, yeah, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Like I'm good at this, I'm good at that. Therefore, I'm probably going to be good at this subject, which is um, a marriage of both of those. So that really was where I landed with choosing my further education. And architecture is a seven-year commitment. If you're studying in the UK, which is where I'm gonna speak from my experience in all of this, um, mostly until I get to my work period. And, um, but the first part is three years, if you do your Bachelor of Architecture in university. So that like, cool, I'll give architecture a go. Um, I definitely was like, there's there's definitely like a lucrative element to it. And I I think I heard that from like a, like a parental comment and I was like, oh, okay, well, it's got that backing, which also kind of boosted my want to do it, like making parents proud and like leaning into something that they would like, get behind kind of thing and also the world was like those fields are like architecture, law, doc, being a doctor, um, medicine etc were all like the ones that were more commended because I felt almost like I couldn't or I was too scared to or I didn't have enough awareness of how to create myself in the more kind of art space and the looser tra- trajectory ahead if I was to go in that direction. I felt like I was almost at that time when I was deciding, 16, 17, 18 years of age, felt like I needed to go into something that would like pay off and that would be like, okay, this is set. Now you're going to earn X number of pounds a year. You've got um, a path ahead of you. Um, You're done. Like good work. The world thinks you're shining and there you go. So that was where I was thinking at that time. So it was a year into my university experience and I was like, not going to lie, I don't really like it. (laughs) And then obviously I'd signed up to three years of taking out a student loan, moving up to Nottingham, which is, about three and a half hours, four hours drive from my hometown in Brighton. Um, Moved there alone like most people did when they went to university in England after they did their college years. And then was like, I don't really like it. And this was where I felt a bit confused and I felt a bit like, should I just stick it out? I've got another two years um, and then I can kind of decide what I want to do from there. But what I landed on was like, it didn't light me up. I felt really heavy. I felt really uninspired by like what I was doing. Um, I definitely felt like the experience leaned more into logic and mechanics and I definitely wanted to be more fluidly creative and I'm quite like undulating as a person. I'm very expressive. Um, I'm quite a big thinker. Um, so they obviously paid into the part of the process of being an architect because you have to come up with the ideas and, and stuff. But then it got really kind of technical and it got really... Um, I just felt like I wasn't being stimulated in the ways I wanted to although albeit it was a great course and it had like a diverse range of skill sets um that I acquired so for example architecture my architecture training provided me with like graphic design skills because I had to like put together presentations as well as presentation like speaking skills so I was able to present to like a, a group of peers or my leaders or like my tutors um I had to be good at like problem solving which is kind of where the maths thinking and, and alignment came in um you got a kind of a brief or a scenario, like you're, you're creating a building in a space that real people have to use, like how are you solving this problem in a creative way, but also put your stamp on it, which was where my like expressive nature could feed into that. Um, and then alongside that it was collaborative work because you are in a group, you know, not just building a group, like a building or a re- resolution alone, it very much requires different minds to make sure that everything is thought of. So now I love that way of working, I loved collaboration. And then it got to the more technical side of things where you had to draw up drawings, you had to have a really perfectionist way of finishing, you had to really like love the end details. And this is where like I am not, that's not in my strengths. Like I'm definitely much like a start of the process person rather than like getting to the nitty gritty perfectionist person. Like, and I totally totally appreciate people who are, but um, the kind of, the training of an architect is to be good at all of it and to be really thorough and engaged in all of it. And I knew I wasn't in that like, 50, 60% 50, 60% half of that that course and that, um, that requirement of me to be an architect. So I decided to stick at it and then change my third year, like final, to be more study-based and more um, research paper-based. So I did architecture studies um, as my BA rather than just the architecture kind of normal course, which is very design and mechanics um, and kind of more planning heavy. So that kind of mitigated some of that hatred towards it, I hate to use that word because I don't hate anything, but, like, I just definitely didn't like it and I ended up resenting my time there. But then the third year, like, lightened up because I could really lean into the thinking side of it and, like, re- resolving problems through social studies, like, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> jeez, <clears throat> and um, write a lot. Um, so that's where my kind of writing research skills are fortified in my third year of my undergrad. But during those three years of my undergrad, or four years because I had to extend, Um, I decided to upskill and try my hand at things that related to creativity and like possible future careers, such as, um, you know, taking on photography and being like a resident photographer at sports games and uni matches. um, And that they were published in the uni magazine. And then I found out we had a uni magazine. So I applied to be the design editor, which meant I would like design and curate the whole magazine monthly. So I did that for a few months. I started to get more. Um, I, I wanted to really get versed in how where creativity could take me in terms of a, a career, and then during that, I also interned at two quite high-profile London magazines during my summers, where I went down to, down to London. I had like placements, um, and I could really understand how like editorial writing could kind of be be used, and how my my proficiency in writing, let's say, could be used in a business sense. So what what do what do um, the public want to read what's like hot topic right now what is going to make sales what is an engaging piece of writing like what is working with an art art director an editor how does that all feel in like the magazine world interviewing artists i got to do research again and i got to like meet people and i got to um put my stamp on it and like create an angle on stories which, which i loved um so i tried that a bit and then i also tried graphic design cuz that also linked to my architectural experience Um, So I interned at um, a web and branding agency in London and became, after our internship, I realised that maybe graphic design wasn't my total jam because it was, again, a bit more structured and a bit more like you kind of had to be... Yeah, there was a lot of feedback needed in the graphic design process. And I felt like I lost myself in that a bit more. I didn't feel like I had that fluidity as much as I wanted to, but it was still a great skill and experience to have. So after my time with them interning for a couple of months, I ended up becoming their like freelance blogger, writer to uphold their kind of brand, their agency brand remotely when I was at uni. So that was like a kind of freelance paid position, which was great. Cause I could literally write what I wanted about design and creativity on their blog um pick pictures to go towards it so then again that fed into my experience in the magazine and you know all the other kind of creative outlets I tried during my uni experience and my degree so yeah um that was a really good time like learning what I liked what I didn't like analyzing after each experience um and what I kind of came to after those few years at uni was like, they were a lot more where I wanted to be. They were more fun, they were more glamorous, they were more fluid in how I could use my creativity. And I could kind of like output more in a short amount of time. Whereas in contrast to architecture, some projects are years in the making. And then the final payoff doesn't come for a long time. And I kind of really craved a bit more of that fast pacedness. Um, so I landed in being in the communications and media industry after what I explored. And um I didn't yet know if it was one of those things but I kind of held on to that so after I graduated with my BA I was like right done my uni now now nah, I don't really know what to do I don't really want to go into the working world because I really don't want to do anything I don't like I feel like it was really painful doing that for three years um, so I decided to take a break to see if I could get any more inspiration by traveling and like going to learn about myself a bit more away from like institution expectations and societal expectations and like You know the expectations of my connections I'd made there and stuff so I went to Australia and I got that visa and did like that working holiday year there and when I was applying for different jobs in that landscape I came across um, a couple that were kind of interesting but one that really I really wanted was to become a social creative at an advertising agency and so I went through that interview process I showed them my portfolio which is usually required at creative positions especially in advertising you kind of had to have, have to have some body of work to show what you can do even if you haven't had any intern experience or had any professional experience before i just used what i'd done in my internships and um, what i'd done in my course and pulled them out and kind of explained around them when i presented in my interviews just like photography projects and just kind of showed the array of skills and the experience i had even if it wasn't exactly what they needed in advertising setting so that kind of got me to where i was um, and i loved it being that's my first official job in a place paid with like feeling like an adult when i was in australia in 2015 and when i was there i learned so much about how creativity links to business and solving problems because you're working with brands and brands was like how do we make brands popular how do we make brands cool how do we make brands um uh, you know the creativity of brands translate into sales. So I learned so much in advertising and ever since I've been in advertising um, by just throwing myself in and being in it. And there was so much I wasn't like aware of that came to light. Um, and it was like basically re- rooting creativity and strategy. And I love that thinking, that like really nitty gritty thinking, like how do we solve a problem creatively based on what's in front of us and what the brand needs and the brand's a business essentially. So was so great I love it even speaking about it now I'm like cool um still lights me up so therefore I found that advertising almost bridged everything I was looking for like that um creativity the fluidity the collaboration the learning um and I could kind of put ideas ideas out there and and if they're wrong or they not, they don't hit the mark, you come up with more. It's like this endless process and you can always get better. And there's that, you put the work out and then suddenly you can be on another project at the same time doing something completely different. So there's constant projects going on and then they're out in the world and then you can start something new. So I was constantly stimulated by this environment as opposed to being in um, architecture where I felt it was a more of a slow burner, which is so fine. I just knew it didn't work for me. Um, so yeah, in essence, I found that um advertising so far has been where I've landed for the last five years and growing um I've always kind of had this moral tension in myself like is it right for me to be in advertising because I feel like there was so much attached it had it sort of has a bad rap in the fact that it like dictates how people feel and that's often like people feel crap about themselves and advertising is the culprit of it um but at the same time after a few years I realized if I'm not in it then if someone like me who doesn't think like that or if I'm not like someone like me who isn't aware of like the bigger picture how is it going to change so I feel like super grateful and super fortunate enough to be in the brand world and and, like being the brain and and ideas person behind what brands put out there so that like we can be aware of the messaging and and the stories we're putting out so for me like now I've kind of arrived at advertising is a place where i can really live out my intention and my purpose which is like really promoting that kind of self-acceptance and the fun and the sort of empowerment of people rather than like this is where you're falling short, so you need to buy this or have this. And yes, obviously different brands do have different problems to be solved and that might come up, and that has come up in my former young years of advertising, but that's kind of how I've learned to be a more mature mind in the ad world right now, because I had to go through those and do those sorts of projects to find where I wanna be in the workplace, in my career space, but also my personal like purpose behind it all. Um, yeah, so with being in advertising, I got to, Try my hand at like from you know 2015 to now, I've been in positions being able to like work on strategy for brands, like what's the best for the business, like come up with ideas of so that creative side, art direct, like shooting content for socials, like writing copy, um, like a, an array of skill sets that are really diverse to like kind of land me where I am now, which is copywriting. And for me, it's all about messaging and the idea and um being fun and playful with language and the power of language so i kind of eventually meandered through those five years of landing in working with brands and advertising spaces being more copy-rooted than i would be perhaps um, the visual side of things Uh, but yeah just having that experience allowed me to appreciate and be in conversations now around design and around art and around photography because i have that grounding. Um, So I kind of like now look back and thank my past even though it was so volatile and erratic and meandering and confusing but I'm like I have a good a good experience base to be in conversations. So I've covered the what and now I'm going to cover the how and with this I'm going to talk about one two three four things I think got me through that, those five years and and helped me move from architecture to advertising. And the four are transferable skills, framing, interviewing, and presence. And I'll go into each of the four now. So overall, I think it's all about looking for the opportunities and the gaps and zoning in on what goes beyond perhaps the job description or the industry like expectation and connecting the dots between what they want and what you are or what you have. So it's kind of like, how do you insert yourself into that space and make yourself valuable to that industry or that job role? Um, so it's like that, taking originality and initiative. That's I think the main umbrella of all these four ingredients. And the first one is transferable skills. So. For me when i was working on like showing up in new spaces for example going to the branding and web design interviews um for all that in the internship interviews i really pulled out and showcased some examples of my work and how i how I would fit for that role so even if like i was underqualified or i wasn't the strongest candidate i didn't do like a communications degree i could easily speak to and show that i've done that and i've covered that in my skill set so i really tailored my kind of kind of application and what i talked about when i got kind of through to further rounds um so they could see um that i was like fit for it and i could definitely they could see me and frame me in that space they didn't have to do men- mental gymnastics to be like hmm how does this relate to this it was really like i've given them the information up front by doing that behind the scenes work and with this i think it might be better to go beyond like your cv so yes, tailor your CV and make sure it kind of highlights and hits what the job wants or what the industry wants. But for example, like you can talk about you as a person like yourself, what do you bring that meets that role in that industry. So for example, communication, um, you could just say like you're a master communicator. Even if you had a science background or a background background completely different to one you want to move into, let's say you've gone from science to business, you pull out how you, um, communication was a key part of your role and it's still like a really big part of this new job um, and f- like make that strong connection clear. Like I feel like I'm, I was really good in communicating. I did X, Y and Z and this is how it got us to this solution. Um, and I feel like that's so so relevant here where like fostering healthy business relationships is so important to have that strong, clear dialogue. So just hit on those things, like connect the dots for the other person. So that's one, transferable skills. Go beyond your CV and also think about self, how you have your soft skills to bring to that role. So, secondly, framing. Now, frame. But what I mean by framing is how you frame your applications and how you frame yourself in the other. How the other person can interpret you or the person hiring you, etc. Um, I made this super personal. So for me, like I would always introduce myself um, as someone kind of curious, I'm naturally analytical, I'm collaborative in nature, I'm a hard worker, I'm a big thinker. So I pulled out like my kind of personality up front and then I would kind of go into like showing examples of my experience and work situations or study situations or um, intern, intern experiences to kind of ladder up to that. So I'd always put my spin on my cover letter um, and write a somewhat approachable yet informative Introduction to myself to the reader. I went, I would usually go beyond the standard templated Google kind of like format that you're like, oh, what's a cover letter and make it look exactly like all the Google ones. No, I would really like retrofit and personalize it in terms of my tone and how I would want to be read. Because if you think about it, like the employer or the industry sees like loads of applications all the time and they're like, what's different about this person I'm reading? Yes, they could be just as qualified as as um, someone else but if their cover letter isn't as engaging or like doesn't stand out it's a bit like well entice me so I would always think in the mind of the interviewer or the person employ- employing me how would I make it how would I stand out to them so I was really like I'd use words and I'd kind of use my ability to be conversational in my language and, and write like a sort of interesting letter um an opening and a second part to that is because i would always go for creative positions i would design my cv and have it in like a very visually um arresting format so instead of the normal templated stuff i would just try my hand and use my graphic design skills or use programs like canva they weren't out then but they are now just like what i could do in let's say powerpoint and and or let what could i do in word or what could i do in i used indesign at the time to make it a bit more a bit more colorful a bit more playful um a bit more personalized again so again like my application reflects who I am, but also reflects the industry I'm entering into. Also, just wanna note here, don't be afraid to note hobby stuff, like, at all. I don't think it's all about just selecting professional registered experience, things that you think employers might want. How I also found I was received was when I talked about, like, um, I just put some sort of, like, life-drawing things or drawing stuff, in my sort of online portfolio or um I would like speak about that in my you know interview if I got there about other things that made me me because I think the more well-rounded person and the more well-rounded you are is the the one they I'm going to speak for them but I found that it it helped me get through the door just going beyond what um you know institutions want with this, don't forget to consider your background, your heritage, your story, um, the experiences you grew up with, um, perhaps your ability to travel or to speak multiple languages. Like these are all make you valuable in more than just the academic or institutional lens. And we need to learn to like see beyond our um, CVs and see and bring our whole selves to interviews or opportunities. And then that's where we add value. We are bringing diversity and a new perspective to these these spaces. Yeah. So talking of rounds, my third thing is interviewing and speaking, and by what I mean by interviewing is like getting really good at interviewing and I know it's not a a well-loved thing. Interviews aren't ama- amazing, not many people love it. I might say that now I do really like interviews and I've learnt to become really confident in interviewing and really shine my character through beyond the nerves. Um, it's not like that for everyone and it definitely takes time, it's taken me years of meandering different jobs, internships, like courses, to be able to like show up now and feel like I like interviews because I can, I feel like I can actually do it but I have such empathy for people who are going out there who feel more nervous, more shy, more in- introverted, don't worry it takes time but what I can share with you now are sort of like how I came to land in this <laughs> kind of opinion of interviewing. But I also think for me, perhaps if my applications weren't as strong um, or I didn't have many of the like, I guess, quote unquote, like on paper skills like a job or a profession might need based on my different educational background. I found that my interview helped my my progress forward into entering new industries. Um, I found I came across quite well because I kind of learnt to be very personable and very um, talkative and very um like versed in interviews and these are the things that helps me kind of succeed at them or feel like i did well at them at least in my opinion um this quote people are just people they shouldn't make you nervous is from a regina spectre song and she's a, a singer but i remember like that comes up in my head all the time when i'm nervous about going to new gatherings new meetings new interviews new networking events like people are literally just people just like me so if you think about it, we're all concerned about what other people might think or how we're coming across, but they're in their head thinking exactly the same. So like, if, as long as you can acknowledge that everyone has insecurities and we're all in our own heads, it kind of helps you level the playing field a bit. So you're like, they're not perfect. And hundred percent, I'm neither am I. So we're both just humans with all our like fragilities and all our greatness at once in the same room. So try and kind of keep that in mind when you kind of go to these things. Secondly, see it as a conversation. Like, it's not about you trying to prove yourself to them. I mean, it is in some aspects, but it's also an opportunity to find out how you fit into that industry, you fit into that workplace, you fit into that culture. How do you feel when you're there? Like, what can you get, what information and signs can you pick up from that meeting to help you realize, is this right for me, is it not? Like, it's definitely an opportunity and it's a two-way exchange. on on mutual things to gain Um, I never really realized that until later on in the game after I was like interviewing is all about just impressing people and I feel like I had to put on my best most polished self and I felt I had to subdue myself or be super polite or super um, perfect to be considered but after like so many I was like actually I'm me and they're them and if there isn't a fit, I shouldn't be trying to mold to what they want or what they need like it's not about that it's like balance again it goes back to the level of the playing field it's not proving yourself it's a two-way exchange but i I would also like to caveat here that that takes time to realize because in my younger days especially when i was coming fresh out of uni it's like i do need them more than they, they need me likely like i'm fresh to the game i need this work experience to move on and progress my career um and i totally am with you through anyone thinking like that um and i have empathy for you but i would love to just offer and invite you to think about like later on but still hold on to your self-worth throughout these interviews and still realize like what you can bring to the table and how diverse you are as a person and it's not just about again like I said your educational and institutional experience and the stuff on paper it's like you are your whole self what other things do you bring like are you really good at understanding what other people want without them saying it are you really good at um on the side like you're really good at I don't know like helping your mom with the tech stuff and you're always a person people call to like uh, solve a problem or like know what needs to be done in the house or fix something like what makes you you that you can bring to to like the interview and to like help you remind you of your self-worth beyond what like they might want from you I think always keep that in mind and that might help you realize like it's not just about them trying to find the best person and you thinking you're not living up to that. Like, you are always best for someone, and some opportunity, and some industry, and some role. So, hope that helps you. (laughs) And so my last one is presence. And by presence, I mean, sort of like faking it until you make it. I mean, I hate to use this term, but at the same time, I agree with it, but I don't 100% agree with it. For me, it's more like, fake it slash bolster up your confidence and your presence until you make it. So... You want to be present and you want to be in the room so you get the respect of the interviewer or get the respect of the person who can connect you to someone or the respect of the person you've just networked with. Um, So kind of like be present, like be memorable. And I'm going to go into a few things that can help you do that now. So here I want to say like, it might be best try to get out of your head for a minute, even though it's super hard if you're a nervous person, but like really just be with the person who's either interviewing you or you want to impress, let's say. Um, so smile, be engaged, genuinely listen to what they're saying, display behavior that communicates that, so okay, make the eye contact, don't look away too much, um, don't fiddle with things if you can avoid it. I know it's harder, it's easier said than done. Open body language, um, as if you're like engaged fully and like they're the only one in the room. Like, really make them like, make it known that you're listening and you're seeing and you're hearing and you're absorbing. Second to that, wear something that makes you feel comfortable so you can act it. Um, I'm kind of talking in an interview setting, but it really can be in any, any place you want to make a, a good impression and get forward in something. And then another is wear something that makes you stand out or might be a point to notice or might be a point of conversation. Cause that again, adds to memorability. So like, as long as you feel good in it, it will help you act that way and it will help you like really step into being present. So you're not thinking about all the other things that's going through your mind in that moment. And then my biggest one in being present is ask questions, like intentionally open questions that you genuinely want to know about, not just questions for the sake of it. For example, like, oh, uh, what time do you finish work? Or like, you know, what time's lunch? Do you have to wear a uniform? Like being, I think being inquisitive shows interest and again, a real, like a deeper engagement because you're, it shows that you wanna try and find out what is, how your life could look there um, or what your experience could be like there. So, for example, what do you actually want to know? Do you want to know, like, what are the the ratio between men and women in the room at any one time? What initiatives have been set up to um, foster development? Um, Who are the leaders? What do they look like? Do they represent me? Do I see myself, like, working up towards um, working with them at all? You know, like, what are these things that will help you understand how your life would look there but then also allows the person opposite you being like huh they really thought about these things they're really like into this they definitely want this and it shows that like excitement for whatever it is you're going for and maybe even which one i i ask a lot is how do you like working there Like, how do you like being in this industry? Tell me about your experience. Because then it puts a spotlight on the other person to be like, okay, I have to pull from personal experience. And then they might get a bit real with you, a bit vulnerable. And then you can kind of pick up some extra signals that's beyond just like them trying to sell you the job, the the industry, the position. You're kind of like, huh, that's their experience. They're speaking from in their heart, I think. If If they're willing to give that information up, the responses differ, but it's always worth a test. And I would like to add that with that, um, ask any questions that do come to mind. Um, I know many of us and many people, and I'm um, speaking from experience too, I used to get caught up in like, oh, if I ask questions, it it makes me look stupid. It makes me not look intelligent. It makes me look like I haven't grasped it or I'm not as good as the person who asks zero questions and just gets everything right. I think we're taught this in school, like to be scared of like asking questions because we don't want to look shameful or stupid. But actually, the more I've removed myself from that idea and that institutional like, experience, the more I'm like, okay, asking questions for me is just like, acknowledging that my brain doesn't work like that other person's brain, and that's okay, everyone's brains are different, they gather and process information differently, so if I'm not clear, I need to ask, because if I'm not clear, then I'm going to sign up for something or move forward not knowing, and the not knowing them could become a problem later on, like, oh... I didn't ask that, which means now I feel really unhappy because I'm the only like woman or man in the room and that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Or I didn't ask this question, so now I'm working 12-hour days instead of the five, which I thought it might be because I spoke to my mum's friend about her similar role. So I think it's really like, my message here is get comfortable with asking questions and don't commit without knowing. Um, as much as it will be really hard, but it's all about thinking about your reality in this new experience or moving forward. Um because I think if we don't, it's only going to hurt us. It's only going to hurt you. It's only going to hurt me if I don't know moving forward. It's going to be like, darn, I wish I knew that before I came in. But I felt really silly asking that in the interview or in, you know, the first conversation. And I feel like there's a time for everything. So perhaps in the first interview, it might not be right. To, it might not feel good to ask more specific questions um, like, oh, what's my pay? Or what's like, you know, these opportunities for me? And it might, it could frame someone as selfish, but at the same time, it's like, when might you get to answer that question again? So there's a timing for everything. If the room feels like, okay, it's open to any sort of question, and the people in front of you have been like, really open and chill, and they're like, yeah, what have you got going on? Tell us what's in your head. But if it feels more formal, and you feel like that those set of questions that are more specific might be held for a later time, then just judge and read the room or like send up a follow-up email or something because then it takes the pressure off you having to like receive that awkwardness in, in the moment or feel that awkwardness in the moment. But I definitely do think ask the questions. It was a really tough time and it was a really stressful confusing time for me. I kind of feel like I've simplified it in this podcast but um in hindsight everything is always rosy and you're just like I'm a better person for it but I would literally work up every day being like who am I what am I doing I don't know what's the right decision I was really bad at decisions making period um and like I said at the beginning I very much followed my head and like was, that was fed by a lot of like you know external forces so I think during my career I learned to detach from like what was lucrative what was popular what was easy what was um expected of me to being like what do I really want to do what is inside and that's that soul piece what does my soul acknowledge um and I think it was a, a journey of learning to listen to myself as well um as an undercurrent And taking time to learn about what I love doing in my spare time and I like wrote poetry and I journaled and I would like come up with songs and like in my younger years I would create magazines and stuff so I put all these pieces together to help me like move forward as I was trying and trialing and erroring through my kind of internships and my business experience. And what I did notice through all of those experiences was that for me it's about like having a conversation. And I w what, what I really love is that here, I to have a conversation with many people who listen in my work through brands and advertising. I'm able to have a conversation with the masses and say something. Um, and I get a dialogue back now in the 21st century, because of the digital um, means we have, um, and then just kind of solving problems in order to meet what people need or what they want, or to like help elevate their lives. And I think that was from, like uh, that's my dot connection from, um, architecture to advertising, if there is any. So I wanna end on a motto or a final thought or piece of encouragement here um, that might help you forward even more. And I'm gonna take this, I think, into my drive forward if I ever change jobs, but especially in my current workplace and in my current situation, just to help me like stand for what I want, ask for what I want and believe in myself. (laughs) Uh, The quote is this, if a white male will apply for it or go for it or ask for it or show up for a position he's heavily underqualified, then so can I. Um, white males, as many of us might know already, are the most privileged members of society with the fewest barriers against, because they have no marginalisation. So I want to use his energy, uh, his, um, whoever he is, and push this confidence into my presence, into my application, into what I have to offer. Um, and I w- want to reference here a study from 2019. The, the title is New Report, Women apply to fewer jobs than men, but are more likely to get hired. And a piece, an extract from that is, when applying for a job, women feel they need to meet 100% of the criteria, while men usually apply after meeting about 60%. And this was backed up by LinkedIn's Behavioural Stats, um, concluding that women end up applying to 20% fewer jobs than men. So I feel like because I can speak as a woman of colour, I definitely have over the years like felt like I couldn't apply for something, and I wasn't there yet, they wouldn't see me, or I can't ask for that amount of money, or... um. Yeah, just disbelieving in myself. Yes, there are barriers against me, but like how I want to move forward is like, if I wanna ask for that pay rise, or if I wanna go for that job, I'm gonna do it because a white male would. Like I'm taking the energy, even if, you know, even if like the powers are against me, the most I can do is do my best and like exude that. So I hope you can take that forward into your your movements. And this is no disrespect to white males, like good on you for having that courage. Um, I'm just gonna try and meet that. So, uh, yeah, happy growing, happy levelling up, everyone. And thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you like this, I would love a five star review. Wink, wink. Um, Just subscribe and and press those five stars on. I think you can do that only on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. But yeah, subscribe on all podcast platforms, wherever you're listening, because then you can get my latest updates as soon as they come out. And if you want to chat more or just follow more of my story or hit me up. And we can have a conversation, then follow me on Instagram. I'm at a underscore blanks, that's uh, B-L-A-N-X. Thank you so much for tuning in.